Welcome back to Ravens Recap. It's been a little bit since we've all been together. Hope you guys enjoyed our last episode previewing what we think the state of the AFC North currently is as we continue to get closer to what we believe and hope will be the start of the 2020 NFL season. And so today, since the present still sucks, we're again (laughs) taking an episode to look into the future, and this time we're looking at pretty far into the future. So what we want to look at today is we want to look at this upcoming decade of football, and the Ravens have a lot of new faces over the past couple seasons, and we want to look at who are the guys who are most likely to be the biggest faces of this next decade of Ravens football? Who are the guys who are most likely to play at least through 2026, maybe the entire decade of 2020 through 2029? And we've all put together our own list, so we know what our picks are. Should be an interesting time comparing our list with everyone else. Yeah, I definitely encourage everyone who's listening to this to kind of like maybe take a second and think about who they think the players might be. And I think it's useful to look at the previous list. So if you look at the 2000 through the 2009 seasons, you had Ray Lewis for 10 of them, Chris McAllister for nine, Stover for nine, Todd Heap for nine, Kelly Gregg for nine. That's a nice little core there. John Ogden for eight, Ed Reed for eight, Mike Flynn for eight, Edwin Mulatalo for seven, Adelius Thomas for seven, and actually we have an 11th person here, uh, Bart Scott for seven. So... What you see there is uh, linebackers and offensive linemen. Yeah, offensive <laughs> linemen, uh, and you know a little bit of the more high twitch players, like you know Todd Heap and and McAllister, are more like and Ed Reed. They're, they're like more high twitch players um, that like their speed really matters. So that's something I kind of want to get into uh, as looking at longevity of these other players in our current roster. We should have put a 12th on there, too. Terrell Suggs would have been seven seasons, too, right? 2003 through 2009? You're right. You're right, Chris. Very good catch. Yeah. Well, so I was just thinking about it, because when Alec was saying linebackers, I was like, man, that's kind of funny, because when you think back to Ray Lewis's career, I know one of the things was, like, no matter who played next to Ray, like, obviously, I mean, it wouldn't be the same level of Ray, but, like, you had all these different players that would kind of be in and out, and some of them would be good, and some of them wouldn't be so good, but there would be a lot of uh, players next to him. And I thought, man, that's kind of crazy that we had so many guys stick around at the linebacker position. When I'm looking at Ray and then Adalis Thomas, it wasn't really a middle linebacker guy, more outside guy, but Bart Scott was definitely one of those guys who was there for a while. And then I was like, wait a minute, there's another linebacker there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Suggs, wait, hold on. <laughs> Yeah, well, and speaking of Suggs, too, I mean, so he's going to show up in the 2000 to 2009 group, and he also shows up in the next group, too. But starting from the top, it looks like we've got Morgan Cox, Sam Cook, and Marshall Yonda, all 10 seasons apiece from 2010 to 2019. You've got Joe Flacco, Terrell Suggs, Jimmy Smith, all for nine seasons. You've got Justin Tucker and Ladarius Webb for eight. And then you have Brandon Williams and Dennis Pitta at the bottom for uh, making up for seven seasons each uh, piece. Yeah, so I think that's where the key is for Peter's earlier statement of 2026 as like kind of the the target for a lot of the players we're looking at right now because all these lists kind of end in the seven season territory. So we're looking at players we think will make it to there, and then also you know projecting a little bit further as well. 
what was the method for you guys when you were coming up with the list? For me, it was looking at the roster, look at the people I thought would be values to re-sign. I think that's like kind of key because I think there's some players like third contract cornerbacks don't sound pretty appealing to me, right? Like I'll take the second contract cornerback, but the third contract, I don't know about that uh, and things like that. So uh, running backs, like they didn't make the list for me and they didn't make the list in historical senses either. What about you guys? Similar. Um, I took a similar approach. Uh, definitely the value. Um, I think something else I, I took into consideration was uh, uniqueness of the player. You know, the Ravens have some players on their roster that some of them are really good, but they have a skill set that you see replicated in a lot of other players in the league who are coming out of college. And then you got some other guys who are, you know, you could almost say are, are generational talents. So I think if their specific skill set is a little rarer that makes them a little more valuable. That also means their contract's going to be bigger. Um, so there is some trade-off there. But then I also considered, is this a position that the Ravens have a lot of success in drafting? I think if it's a position where historically the Ravens have better luck with that position, then might not be as big of a deal to let a guy in that position go because your track record says you're going to find someone who's of comparable value because of your past track record has made you've been able to scout that position. Yeah, Peter, I thought about that as well. There's some position groups that we have historically drafted quite well. So it made me think we'll probably do that again. And then when that player is coming up with their contract year, we'll let someone else take them. So I guess without any further ado, we can go into our list making. I'll start off with the most anticlimactic pick of Lamar Jackson. I think he'll be around for a while. Chris, did you have someone else for your number one? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we talked about that. I didn't know we had a, a ranked list here, but um, but if I had to rank him, yeah, I mean, right now I, I put Lamar at the top, assuming he doesn't get any, into any more uh, jet ski accidents. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he evaded every tackler, but the jet ski that hadn't moved but the, the whole play. The jet ski got him. <laughs> oh man, it was crazy. No, but uh, no, man. I mean, you know, I mean, we've only seen two seasons from Lamar, but I mean, hell, man. Like, how how can you not put Lamar Jackson at the top of the list? I mean, MVP of the league last year, absolutely amazing. You know, to see him play and to improve from the his rookie year. I know it's a short sample size, but but honestly, I mean, you got to put him at the top, right? Yeah, I mean, and he's also such a generational talent. Like we said, that's something to look at as well. Even if he was a fran- just a franchise quarterback, you would want to lock him up. But him being a franchise quarterback with him being, you know, once it all said and done, he could be the most electrifying rushing quarterback to have ever played the game. I mean, a huge talent right there. Now, I think the only thing to look at with that is, you know that when he signs, it's going to be record-breaking contract like the only guy who's going to get paid more than him is Mahomes so that's the only way I see him not getting re-signed is if his contract takes up the entire salary cap (laughs) which it can't so (laughs) the Ravens are going to re-sign him and but they're going to have to figure out how do you build a team when you're putting that much money towards your towards your all-pro quarterback it'll certainly be challenging but I think the interesting part too is that I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. I think it's interesting to see going forward just with how Lamar's contract hits 
in regards to the cap. And uh, there's all this talk about coronavirus, maybe shrinking the cap next year, how these contracts going forward might be affected. So it might not like hurt as much as it would have otherwise. So I, I'm very curious to see how that impacts his his second contract or if it makes it shorter, you know, like maybe it's like only a three year contract or something. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, yeah, with the economy kind of so in flux with everything that's surrounding coronavirus. I mean, there's definitely kind of a, a larger question as far as the NFL, like what the profits are going to be, what the TV deals are going to be. And, you know, whether everybody is going to be spending as much money as they have in the past on certain things. But actually, at the end of the day, too, the other thing to keep in mind with Lamar being on this list, right, basically three years left on this rookie contract. I mean, I think it's pretty likely that the Ravens are going to pick up his fifth-year option. So that's three at right there. I mean, even if he signed for like a four-year deal after that, I mean, that's seven years right there. So I think he's automatically on the list, regardless of, of how the contract actually looks. If you're just looking at the numbers of, of what's you know realistically likely in terms of length of contract, I mean, that seems pretty likely to me all right well now that we've fully shocked everyone and they all have to pause the (laughs) podcast to take five minutes to uh handle this revelation that we all believe lamar jackson is the most likely long-term signing for the ravens i'll throw out my number two guy which might be higher than you guys might have this guy i'm sure he's on your list but if we're talking about marlon humphrey i think with him being drafted in 2017 and you know, like you were mentioning at the beginning, Alec, with fast twitch players, he might just barely miss this list, maybe. Because um, I think if you're talking about him playing through 2026, then, you, you know, he's about 10 years into the league. Yeah, he's probably still a, an effective player, but he might be starting to slow down a bit. At the same time, I think the Ravens have struggled so much with drafting cornerback over the past decade. And we saw how that position crippled the team basically from 2013 until the Ravens drafted Humphrey. I think he's going to be a a guy who's high priority for a second deal, but if he gets a a third deal, it's going to be interesting depending on just seeing how he holds up given that position. Yeah. Well, Marlon's actually my number two as well, Peter. Another point about Marlon too. I mean, you just look at the numbers, right? I mean, he's got, he's got two years left on his contract. The Ravens don't extend him first, which I know that you know a lot of sources are, are thinking that the Ravens want to get Marlon locked up sooner rather than later. But even if you ride out that, that's two years. Say he gets signed for a, a four or five year deal. I mean, you're already kind of at seven there. And honestly, the other thing to keep in mind too, I mean, Marlon already has kind of proven that he has been a solid contributor and able to play a full season, right? The other guy was on the previous decade, Jimmy Smith. He played nine seasons for the Ravens, but he didn't play nine complete seasons for the Ravens. I think at this point, Marlon is definitely a lot more likely to be there for the majority of those games. So, you know, for me, like, I would think it's a no-brainer. As long as the Ravens have some sort of cap room, they got to prioritize this guy. He's going to be there. He's going to contribute. He's going to be a solid player probably for, you know, at least the next five years, if not beyond that. I would definitely put him as my number two pretty solidly over the rest of the guys who might be on this list. Interesting. So for me, he was not number two. He was number six. I have some, like, kind of – I have an interesting, like, take – in the four spot you might be surprised by but um yeah Humphrey's in the six for me I think he just got on the bad end of this arbitrary cutoff of decade 
right? Like he's going to spend 10 years probably with the Ravens, but it might not be all in this decade that we're looking at. But I think, like you said, he'll likely be on the list. Well, all right. After that shocker, everybody had Marlon on their list. I'll go with another shocker. Ronnie Stanley's my number three. Stanley's just another one of those guys we know right now is is a cornerstone player for the Ravens. Uh, The Ravens definitely want to lock him up. Still no traction uh, as far as what we've heard this offseason and whether he's going to going to be re-signed this offseason. You know, more than likely he will be signed at some point soon. Find a left tackle that you like. I mean, you sign them for, you know, as long as you can. They are obviously not a uh, an easy position group to uh, find in the draft unless you're drafting very high or you happen to get extremely lucky in finding somebody in the later rounds who can develop into a really good player. Um, you know, I just I don't see the Ravens letting this guy walk anytime soon. It's kind of like with Marlin, you know, to your point, Alec, I think there's a little bit of a question of like, okay, well, he was drafted the year before Marlin, so he's still kind of in between the decades. But given that it's such a high-value position group, you know, I, I would just have to think that Stanley has uh, pretty good odds to be here for a while. Stanley was my number three as well. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned you have to usually draft these guys really high in order for them to develop and succeed. And it's like, do you have to like tank? Is that like the the formula? Is like sometime in the next 10 years, you have to take and then you have to take your shot at left tackle and you have to pray that they're the right one because uh, (laughs) you're not going to have that chance again once you start becoming a better team. I'm curious to see how often we're able to, I guess, get a great left tackle. You know, we have Ronnie Stanley, we had J.O. back in the day, and then we kind of had to piece it together for a while there uh, between those those two players. So, yeah, interesting analysis, noting that to get a left tackle, and typically you have to take them pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens' track record, you just got to look at that to, to see that. Um, obviously, you draft Jonathan Ogden as a top 10 pick, and he's your entrenched starting left tackle and then the Ravens don't have a pick that high until 2015 and then that's when you get your next one <laughs> I also had Ronnie Stanley number three uh hopefully we'll have some you know more interesting debates going forward <laughs> I really wanted to put him number two but the reason that I put Marlon over him uh it might be an overreaction to some of what's going on during the off season. it feels like a lot of sports publications are kind of pumping up Ronnie Stanley's name, citing that he was the pro football focus's pass blocker of the year for 2019 and uh, how he was such key to the Ravens' record-breaking rushing offense, and as well as the Laramie Tunsil deal that came out last month, I believe, uh, really put the, the number higher for what the Ravens will have to pay Stanley. So I do question if it will be viable for the Ravens to sign both Lamar and Stanley with both of them, you know, going to be in the top three at their position in salary when they are signed is likely what it's, what it looks like it would be. But as far as importance to the team, he's absolutely uh, top three, most likely to play throughout the decade for the Ravens if money wasn't an option. All right. I'm going to shock you guys. I think my number two, I had to pair him up with Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown. I think he's going to be around for a long time. I think those two are such good friends. I believe Hollywood's going to have a breakout year this year. 
and he came in at the right part of the decade, right? I think he's going to be around for a very long time. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't disagree with that ranking. Um, I had him as number four on my list. I think with him, he really leapfrogs some of these other guys who've maybe shown more to this point in their career. Now, granted, he's, we've only had one year of an NFL career so far for, for Hollywood, but I think with you look at, at Marquise Brown, the Ravens so rarely hit at the wide receiver position in the draft, and this is a guy who we're expecting to be in the type of, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill vein, which is a type of wide receiver that is not very common in really in high supply in the NFL. So I think it's a combination of that. Like you said, he has a great rapport with Lamar there. You know, Lamar Hollywood is the, is the new uh, Flacco Pitta. Um, (laughs) Right. Exactly. And you know, they, they already seem to have some great chemistry in year one. And the Ravens, when when the Ravens get hold of a quality wide receiver, uh, a, a Pro Bowl quality wide receiver is what Marquise Brown is going to be in his career. You got to lock him up. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, you look at the next best receiver that the Ravens have drafted recently. I mean, Torrey Smith, and he, he was just below that threshold I think of being a pro bowl wide receiver player I mean he never made a pro bowl while he was here at the Ravens oh I think a lot of us really liked what he you know Tory brought to the Ravens franchise I mean he was you know by far the the best option that the Ravens had drafted at the time but even you know that 2013 where he was kind of like the de facto number one you know it's you hope that you got a little bit more out of Tory than what you eventually did. And I know it was, um, you know, there were a lot of other factors, I think, to to make the decision not to re-sign Tory. But still, you know, even all that aside, it was still kind of a question of like, well, okay, like, is this the best we're going to get? Or, you know, do we think that this guy could take the next step? Um, I think, you know, the Ravens may have made the right decision there. But with Hollywood, you know, totally agree with you, Peter. It's, you know, from what we've seen from this guy right now, and I think with the with the hype, I think that's building this next season. I mean, there's no reason that Hollywood couldn't be a, a, a higher ceiling player than what Torrey Smith was for the Ravens. And when you have that, yeah, exactly, you're right. You know, you can't let that kind of player go. And again, I mean, you know, when, it, when you look at the numbers too, like he's got at least another three years, four years on his contract already. Another contract after that. I mean, that's almost a whole decade right there. So. Um, yeah, I definitely think very good chance that he'll be around for a while. All right, so my number four is out there in the wild. So either Chris or Alec, do you want to list your number four? Yeah, I'll go my number four. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I'm going to put this on here. I think our boy Justin Tucker, number nine, is going to be one of the top players of, of the next decade. So I believe he's, I think he's 30 this year, going to be 31. I don't think it's that far-fetched to see him play at least another eight, nine, like maybe 10 seasons. You know, uh, he's kind of got to go after Adam Vinatieri for uh, longevity. You know, I know he's he's got a number of years to go for that. But, uh, you know, Tucker doesn't have to play until he's 45 to be able to, you know, pass Vinatieri, I think, on the all-time list. Uh, If we're talking about the all-time, like, greatest kickers. I think if he played another 10, I I think that would definitely put him in the conversation for sure. Tucker is my number five. You know, I was looking at the 2010 through 2019 and Sam Cooke and Morgan Cox, two other members of the Wolfpack, both attend seasons. I was like, oh, man, how much longer are we going to have the Wolfpack? And uh, 
I was like, well, we're going to have Justin Tucker for a while. I know that much. So I believe he ends his career as a Raven. And I believe that he will have a very long career chasing records and uh, cementing himself in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Justin Tucker was my number five. My number four, I think, is like an extreme hot take. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so I also had Justin Tucker in the middle of my list. I had him at number six. He was really the hardest guy to place on the list because, like we say, he's only 31 and, you know, kickers are ageless in the NFL these days. You know, right now we're having kickers play into their early 40s. You know, T- Tucker might play till he's 50. That You know, it could, <laughs> it could happen. You never know. <laughs> you know, a decade ago with how long some of these quarterbacks are playing, we thought that was unthinkable. So the only th- way I could see Tucker not playing you know, at least through 2027, 2028 with the Ravens is if, as this offense becomes more explosive and we assume that it continues to stay as uh, hot as it did last year, all of a sudden the kicker position, while still certainly valuable, as we saw last year, Tucker had two game-winning field goals. You wonder if in the Joe Flacco days and, and, and definitely in the decade before that of the pretty much no-name quarterback days, kicker was, was like an absolute necessity for those teams. Now we're seeing a Ravens offense that is able to put up points with the best of them in the league, and kicker's not as valuable as it used to be. So you do wonder, as Justin Tucker you know, continues to get contracts that will, will rank up as you know, a top top five, if not largest co- uh, contract for a kicker in the league if the Ravens would would cut that contract as he gets older to make room for some of these other guys that we're saying are going to need big contracts. Now, a kicker contract very rarely is going to break the bank, right? So I think that's a very low chance of happening, but that's just the only reason why I put him a little lower on the list. All right, let's bring out Alex Hot Take number four. All right, number four, Chuck Clark, our boy. I think he's going to be a cemented player in the back end of our team. I think he has the football IQ and just the grit to persist. I think he'll be awarded by the Ravens for being that six-round pick who you know became a, a real hallmark player. And I like to think Chuck Clark will be here for a very long time. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I had him as number seven on my list. I definitely think that he's a guy who's going to stick around for a while. You know, I mean, when we think about a lot of these players that have sta- that have a lot of long time with the franchise, you're thinking about the Ray Lewises and the the Justin Tuckers and the Terrell Suggs, these guys who are, you know, Hall of Fame or borderline Hall of Fame players. But there is a lot to be said, like you're saying, of a guy who's who's more of a solid player but has a great football IQ and is going to be on a on a cheaper contract. Um, and we do see some of the, those guys in this list of years past, you know, guys like Kelly Gregg sticking around for nine seasons or uh, Ladarius Webb for eight. If Chuck Clark continues to do what we saw him do last year, I think he definitely will will stick around for quite a few seasons to come. Yeah, really interesting. I actually did not have Chuck Clark on my list at all. I think kind of where I'm coming from here is that, you know, obviously we resigned him this offseason uh, to a three-year deal. So he'll be here at least for the uh, next couple of years. 
The thing I think that worries me about Chuck Clark a little bit is uh, a couple of things. One, I mean, obviously he came in this year coming out as the uh, signal caller for the defense, and that is an extremely valuable position uh, for the Ravens to have. But, you know, when I look at the draft this year, I'm like, okay, well, we have Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, both those guys, like middle linebackers. You'd have to think that, you know, maybe at some point they might transition the role back to, you know, a standard middle linebacker guy like Queen. Um, I, I know that there are reasons not to do that um, for, like, substitution packages, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, you spent a first-round pick on Patrick Queen. I would think that you would want to kind of be him to be the guy to build the defense around. So I think there's that. And then there's also just the, you know, I'm not sure how good Chuck Clark will be, you know, kind of at the strong safety role. I I know he's a hybrid player and that's what, you know, where his value comes from. But if we're trying to talk about players who are going to like stay on this team, I think versatility is definitely one thing. But the other thing is like, you know, okay, are they versatile enough and good enough to not be replaced at a particular position? And I feel like I haven't seen enough from Chuck Clark to know whether he's going to be the best option for us um, in this sort of you know default right now, kind of like strong safety role. And well, if he's not the guy for that particular position, then okay, well then how are you going to carve out a role from him as like this sort of like hybrid, like dime linebacker sort of role? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think we'll know the answer to that for you know at least another season or two. But, you know, I would certainly hope that he's around. I think, you know, he's a great player. You know, it's it's not that I don't wish that he's around. Um, but I think it's definitely interesting kind of given his sort of like hybrid sort of nature of whether he can find enough of a niche to be able to stick around. Maybe, maybe like something like uh, somebody like Anthony Levine, who's actually been around with the Ravens for quite some time. He would be a guy I would I would look for as sort of like a comparison for, for Clark. Yeah, no, those are all great points, Chris. Chuck Clark... I am bullish on him being able to continue to find a niche in this team. But like you said, we really are only basing that on really two thirds of a season work at this moment. And I think what it's really going to come down to for him is just like you said, are the Ravens going to find someone who can replace him better? Um, We know that since Ed Reed, the Ravens really haven't had much luck at all in drafting a safety. I think that's another reason why I put him on my list is looking at uh, the, how much the Ravens have had to go to free agency to fill that role because of you know draft picks just not working out. So now they finally have a guy who, while not a pro bowler, at least not as it stands right now, is at least someone you hit on. So yeah, I agree. There's a lot of evidence to either say yay or nay on Clark looking at it right now. And the only way we're going to find out is to just watch how the games progress. All right. Well, number five on my list is another pass catcher, Mark Andrews. I think it's kind of self-explanatory why the Ravens would want to keep him around. Like Hollywood, he's got a great rapport with Lamar, made the Pro Bowl this year. And the only reason that I wouldn't put him higher on this list is because Compared to those other positions ahead of him, the Ravens have had a lot of good luck in drafting tight ends. So if the Ravens were unable to sign Mark Andrews to a second contract, I think they would have a good chance at pretty quickly finding a replacement who's at least serviceable. We can also point to the fact that, you know, they drafted guys like Max Williams. And as much as we love Nick Boyle, Nick Boyle is not 
the receiving threat that a Mark Andrews or even Dennis Pitta was uh, when he was playing for the Ravens. But although I love Mark Andrews, I don't think he's as much of a must sign as the other four guys I had higher on my list. Yeah, I mean, I I could kind of see that. I, it's it's definitely it's definitely tough right now to kind of look at the cap and, and figure out like okay, like how many of these star players do we realistically think that the Ravens are going to be able to sign, you know, by 2022, 2023 when all these guys are going to be up? Because really, you know, there's there's so many different factors there of of, you know, what the cap's going to be and like what the contracts are going to be for these different position groups. And yeah, to your point, Peter, you know, the Ravens had have success with drafting tight ends. It's not that far-fetched to believe that, you know, maybe the year before Andrew's contract is up, maybe they spend a first or second round pick on a tight end that they really like. But that being said, I mean, I think the the big thing for me that, that makes Andrews a, a more of a must-sign player is that they just let the other guy walk. They just let Hayden Hurst uh, go. Uh, they traded him to the, the Falcons. I mean, that to me, like, at least for the next year or two, Andrews has to be the guy. You know they're gonna have they're gonna put faith into him, uh, and and expect him to kind of lead this position group and and continue where he built off of last season. You know unless there's some sort of you know freak injury or, you know he really just loses his chemistry with Lamar and, and has a dip in production. You know I I feel like he will probably be around. Yeah, so he didn't make my list and he almost did, but uh, I. I think that we would maybe draft somebody. We've had historic success with the tight end position. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe he doesn't get uh, another contract or maybe maybe just not enough time. I don't know. I guess given the fact that his contract will be up and he might get re-signed at least once, he'll probably be enough for this list. But yeah, I, di- I didn't do it just for the fact that I thought I could see him getting replaced because of our track record in the past. Would it change your opinion at all to know that uh, out of the last two decades, we've had at least one tight end on each list? <laughs> I uh, can't retract my statements. It's too late. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I totally get what you're that's saying. Fair. I totally get what you're saying. And I would love for him to be around. So no problem. I guess maybe to go back to Peter's point, uh, just to play devil's advocate, right? Like how many of these top in their position players can we have on second contracts, third contracts, you know, like realistically do the salary cap. So that's another thing to think about. Yeah, it is interesting looking at at this list compared to the previous two, because the problem we're going to the Ravens are going to have on offense uh, this decade is the problem they were having on defense the previous two decades. Those two decades, if you had an offensive star on the Ravens, you were going to be able to sign them because who else were you going to pay? But you got Andrews and Brown and Lamar and Stanley. That's just those four. There's some other guys who who might get contracts as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, be an interesting numbers crunch to watch in the coming years. Yeah, Andrews is my number six, right behind Hollywood. So we've gotten through my number six so far. My number seven is Orlando Brown Jr. I had a lot of trouble with this pick. He kind of was all around the map for me, but I do think we'll try to re-sign him. And uh, just again, because he's kind of at that right right time to be able to make this list. Um, if he gets a second contract, I have him at number seven. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Orlando Brown was close on my list. He was hovering around 9, 10, and then he ended up becoming number 11 on my list and not making it 
but I think he kind of fits with a, a lot of these other players where it's like he's definitely good. He definitely has a key role on the team, but some of these guys who, you know, aren't quite as, at the the higher level of some of these other guys might fall through the cracks just from a contract standpoint. Um, at the same time, I think I did see an, an article on some some Ravens affiliate, I can't remember what, um, who actually said that they th- see Orlando Brown as a as a prime guy for the Ravens to re-sign because what he does with the Ravens is valuable for the Ravens offense, but especially as a run blocker, but um, there aren't that many teams in the NFL that would have him as much of a value to their team as the Ravens view him to, to them. So yeah, I mean, I think Orlando Brown's definitely proven so far to be a guy the Ravens will make an effort to re-sign when his contract is up. Uh, it's just going to come down to uh, who's getting the contracts on the offense again. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point, Peter. I mean, and for what it's worth, yeah, OBJ didn't he didn't even make my list. Um, you know, another challenging thing too is just you know look at where we expect kind of the money to be spent on this team. I mean, I think everybody's expecting Ronnie Stanley to be resigned, and that's going to be a big deal. So you're kind of spending putting a lot of money in the left tackle position. Look at the other two guys on this list that are out of the same draft class as Orlando Brown Jr., Lamar and Andrews. There's going to be a lot of money spent, most likely on Lamar, probably pretty likely on Andrews. And yeah, it's just it's just going to be how much more money can you know can we spend on a guy like Orlando Brown? I you know personally, I mean there, there's you know. I would probably do a lot to try and keep him around. I mean, I think it was a, a fantastic story to kind of have him join the team where his dad played. You know, I think there's, you know, definitely a, a big personal reason, I think, for keeping him on this team. And I'm sure that, you know, he would kind of feel the same way of like, you know, he wants to play for a team that, you know, that his dad played for. And, I, you know, the Ravens are pretty special to him. But, yeah, this this one's going to hurt. If if we're not able to re-sign Orlando Brown, it's definitely going to hurt. You know, he he's probably one of those players that I look to as like a, a Tory Smith, or you know maybe or Darius Webb of of guys that were just fantastic team guys who really really fit this team. But you know, kind of hit a point where it's just like either the numbers weren't there, or maybe it just wasn't the right fit. And you know, I, I really hope we can, but for me. I just I I don't see it at the moment. All right, so we're not swinging back till me till number eight. Does that mean I give my number seven? Looks that way. All right. So, well, I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take or not, but I'm going to say my number seven is Patrick Queen. Why? Because he's our first round pick in 2020, so he gets five years by default. He's our first uh, first round linebacker since C.J. Mosley. See, wow. Oh which is God. gonna which is gonna weaken your case, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick Queen first first round pick uh, for a linebacker position since C.J. Mosley uh, back in 2014. Yeah, yeah, I might weaken my case a little bit, Peter. Um, but you know what? I still think the Ravens wanted to re-sign him so badly. It's just the Jets were just. 
absolutely crazy about how they threw their money around. $86 million for a linebacker who had groin issues that following year and didn't even play the full season. That's just, that was just crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of money. But, um, I don't know, man. I, I think he's got a good shot. It feels like a shot in the dark because we haven't even seen this guy play, but like, I don't know. I feel like if the Ravens are going to spend a first round pick on him, obviously they, you know, they like what they see. Like they, they think he's going to be a, a good player for a good bit of time. No, I, I was just bringing up the, that the Ravens didn't sign CJ Mosley just cause, um, I thought the same thing when I put Patrick Queen on my list to be like, oh, he's a first-round linebacker, and linebacker means so much to the Ravens, and then, yeah, C.J. Mosley didn't get a second contract. Um, I have I have Patrick Queen as number eight on my list. Uh, I agree. We don't know too much about what he's going to do at the NFL level yet, but I think the Ravens got blindsided by the fact that Mosley left and was able to get the money that he did. I don't think that they really took it too seriously that Mosley was going to do anything but re-sign with the Ravens, and that's kind of not how they would have had it gone. I really don't think they wanted to lose him, and they saw, you know, we saw how trying to do a, a patchwork job at the inside linebacker position went. So I, I agree he's going to get a five years start. You know, that's, that's uh, going to get that by default, and assuming he lives up to at least a a portion of what we're expecting him to be i think a second contract is is very likely for him uh to kind of be one of the leaders of this defense for this upcoming decade yeah so i thought about patrick queen myself i just figured because we didn't resign cj mosley that he would not make it past those five years and thus not make the list. But I think you brought up an interesting point, Peter, that maybe they were blindsided. And I could see maybe after three productive years or four productive years, we've signed him to a three-year extension, right? Uh, Maybe for a little bit less money than he would have gotten on the free agent market. And then by doing that, we're able to uh, have him long enough for this list, right? So uh, I could see it happening. He didn't make my list. Um, but it's definitely possible. I think, unfortunately, we're at that point now. If you look at the other lists, you're looking at players typically who are more uh, journeyman players who, you know, were really good, but they weren't. I guess journeyman may, may not be the right answer, but like they're really good, but they weren't totally breaking the bank to keep them around. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. My number eight was uh, Sack Daddy himself, Jalen Ferguson. I have high hopes for him this upcoming season, and uh, I think he might be the pass rusher that we sign and lock up for a long-term deal. Uh, we've been looking for that guy, I feel like, since Suggs, you know, uh, and I don't. we don't think, or at least I don't think, and I think a majority of us are not that high on Judon being a long-lasting player into this decade, so that's why I went with Jalen Ferguson. Interesting take. Yeah, I will agree. Definitely, Judon is not going to be around here for too much longer. Uh, probably not uh, anymore after this coming season. Uh, Ferguson, he didn't make my list, and I actually, he actually wasn't even a guy I flirted with putting on the list. Uh, but, you know, we don't know too much about him. Last year was his rookie year, and it wasn't a bad year. I guess it was just so much of a mixed bag. It's kind of hard to know what he's going to be. But to the argument of uh, the Ravens trying to hold on to guys who 
or at least somewhat of a hit in a position that they haven't had much success in drafting over the last decade. Uh, Ferguson seems like he would definitely, well, I wouldn't, I won't say definitely, but he seems like he's going to fall at least into the role of, of solid, dependable contributor. I mean, even in his rookie season, he showed more than guys like Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser have during their entire NFL career so far. Or Courtney Upshaw. Or Courtney Upshaw, correct. Or, um, you know what? There's another linebacker. Uh, sorry, just more on the conversation of linebackers. There's another linebacker who should also be on that 2000 to 2009 list, Jared Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Jared Johnson. Well, it's so difficult because they're all like the same years, but Jared Johnson was also drafted in 2003 with Suggs. That's right. And uh, yeah, so I mean, if Ferguson could be a Jared Johnson, I mean, that would be a heck of a good player. I mean, lots of people, you know, really, really, really liked uh, Jared Johnson, very beloved in the uh, Baltimore community and, and still is. It helped that he was on 98 Rock. He had a great show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's excellent whenever he's on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think it's a good take though, Alec. I, you know, I, I had Ferguson on my list too. I kind of have a couple people on number nine, and actually, I don't even have a number eight. Spoiler alert, um, because <laughs> I feel like number eight is going to be a player that the Ravens haven't drafted yet. Right. I just right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I which is kind of cheating, but I, I really, I feel like there's got to be somebody else that the Ravens are going to get. You know, they're gonna they're gonna hit on the draft either next year, or the year after, and that person is going to be here for the rest of the decade, um, which is not too far fetched too. When you look at these older lists here, you'll you'll see a handful of players that were drafted in 2002, 2012, that kind of stuff, and and they last the whole decade. Yeah, I was thinking that too when I was making the list. I actually wrote down like. I feel like since the team's so young, it's hard to say who will like last. And also, we've had such such success drafting the last couple of years. Like, there's likely to be another player that we just drafted or we'll draft next year, et cetera, uh, right. that we're gonna be like, oh, that's the guy, you know? Right. Yeah. But I mean, for, you know, to, to your point though, like, I think that the thing that's working for Ferguson right now is that um, he's probably the the first guy that I would pick um, in the outside linebacker group. You know, if if I'm looking at a young guy in that position group who I want to re-sign, he would probably be the guy. All right, so moving on to number nine. So nine and ten, I kind of threw out some guys that I think are more hot take than the guys we've been calling hot takes so far. And I, to, your, <laughs> to your guys' point, I think you bring up a great point when we're looking at these lists. There, When we look back at, at this actual list, you know, in June of 2030, there's going to be some guys on that list that aren't even on the Ravens roster yet I think we're 100% about right about that so I consider the next two guys I put on the list as guys who could make the list but are much more long shots from what we know right now so I'll throw out Miles Boykin as my number nine again he makes the list a bit because the Ravens are abysmal at drafting wide receiver (laughs) and while he didn't show terribly much on the receiving and last year, I liked how good of a blocker he was. I love that even though he wasn't getting targets, he was still very big in the run blocking game. And he's been very outspoken this offseason about what he needs to get better on. He just seems like he has a, a good head on his shoulders of how to get better and improve his craft. And he's got the physical tools. It really just comes down to can he be coached up to be an effective wide receiver in the NFL? 
And I still don't know if I ever see him becoming, you know, a number one consistent thousand yard receiver for the Ravens, but I could see him developing into, you know, like a 600 to 800 yards a season, uh, five to eight touchdown red zone threat in some seasons. He's probably not putting that up consistently if guys like Mark Andrews and even, even Hollywood Brown, though he's smaller, is still a pretty big red zone threat. So Boykin, I think, is a longer shot than anyone else I've listed on the list so far. But I, I see a path for it that it could happen. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, for, for a guy who's, you know, I mean, right now is kind of like a contributing player and, and primarily, you know, uh, his values and the run blocking, you could definitely see an opportunity where, you know, maybe, you know, he's not putting up a lot of, you know, big wide receiver stats, you know, touchdowns and yards and things like that. But, you know, for the Ravens, he does his job extremely well, and maybe he really likes it here. And which case, that's kind of like a perfect value fit, and the Ravens would offer, sure, would offer him a contract for you know something less than market value. So yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. He didn't make my list personally, but could definitely see that you know being uh, being an option for the Ravens. I flirted with Miles Boykin. I did not end up getting him on my list. Uh, cause I decided to go for hotter takes, I think, uh, or more like, whoa, <laughs> uh, players, but I, uh, I definitely thought about him. Uh, I thought because I picked Hollywood as such a high ranking player to get a second contract and be a part of this team for so long. Um, I thought maybe Boykin was a little less likely. Uh, it might be hard to spend money on both of them. Um, and I, you know, I thought about that in Duvernay, uh, but not nearly as much as Boykin. I'm just higher on Boykin. I think he brings something really unique to the team. I think the team, because they did not draft Denzel Mims, the only way I can like make myself okay about it is because they're so confident that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Miles Boykin's going to be the guy that they're just like, ah, oh, we don't need another one of those. So um, yeah, I I'm very high on him. He got his jugs machine. Um, I'm hoping that he's around for a while, but. So I guess it's my turn to pick a player who hasn't played an NFL down yet. I really like this guy. I like the way he sobbed when he got drafted. Justin Matabuke, you're my number nine. I think you're going to really solidify yourself as a uh, defensive you know, tackle on this team. That group is very old right now. And um, I think he has a prime position to be that player who's around, who's the best, who will get that second contract and be around for a while. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like the thought process on that. Um, he did not make my list, but I completely agree that could happen. I mean, the Ravens need someone to step up and be a, a young defensive lineman. The only thing that that puts me on pause with him, and it's not his fault, it's nothing that he can control, it's just the Ravens' recent bad luck with some of these middle defensive line guys, you know, like the, the Carl Davises of the world. And I mean, I guess Timmy Jernigan wasn't, wasn't bad, but wasn't a scheme fit for us, unfortunately. Right. He wasn't a scheme fit. And then Chris Wormley was solid, but not spectacular. And now he's in Pittsburgh. So again, that has nothing to do with Matabuke. It just is, I guess I want to see more consistency from the guys those Ravens have drafted before I'm can uh, get too excited about these guys before they've played it down. That's fair. To yeah, to Alec, your to your pick. Uh, I think it's a great pick. <laughs> I, I really hope Justin Matabuke becomes a, a a cornerstone player for the Ravens. Yeah, man. Uh, for for a guy who wore, you know, I I know he's not going to be able to wear 52 
with the Ravens. <laughs> but, you know, uh, for everything I've seen, the guy, man, he embodies everything that our original 52 is about. And, uh, you know, seem, it seems like he, he absolutely loved being drafted by the Ravens. I, I would really, really, really like to see this guy stick around for a while. And, you know, I think it's it's just going to be a huge benefit for him, too, to be able to learn from Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf and Brandon Williams, all these guys who have been here a long time and, and been very successful in this league. I, I think it's going to be a great position for him to be able to learn um, primarily, but also to be able to contribute and eventually take over that spot. So that being said, I actually I did have Matabuke as my number nine as well, but um, just for uh, just for another take here, I'm gonna say my my alternate for nine, um, Bradley Bozeman. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know I, I think Bozeman is definitely the first choice given that he's kind of has two years under his belt and, and was pretty good this year. Um, but I feel like the Ravens would want to put some you know money on the interior uh, line. Maybe on a guy who's not that premier player like a Ronnie Stanley or or an uh, Orlando Brown Jr., but somebody who's just going to be a solid contributor and be somebody that you can rely on. And and Bozeman's kind of that guy right now, and I I don't see there being any reason why he wouldn't step back into the guard spot. I, I know some people have said maybe you know oh maybe they put him at center so we can have some of these younger guys take the guard spots. Uh, regardless, I think Bozeman is is one of the guys who's going to be in there on the interior. And, you know, if, if he continues to play well, I don't see why the Ravens wouldn't offer him another contract. Yeah, so I thought about him as well. My number 10, I'm just going to say it now because it fits, is Ben Powers. So in that same vein, I was just trying to figure out, like, which interior offensive lineman that we have now who we think is going to be pretty solid. Do they sign for a second-year contract, etc.? Uh, I just went with Ben Powers because I think he might be a little bit better uh, and a little bit more versatile. But maybe, again, that might be a problem if uh, we don't have the cap room. But yeah, I definitely thought about Bradley Bozeman. He's a great choice at that spot. Yeah, I uh, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, for me, it was kind of like I wanted to put either Bozeman or Powers or Ben Bredesen because I think, you know, we're looking at this list and surprisingly in the 2010 to 2019, you only have Yonda as on the list, but uh, 2000, 2009, you got Flynn, you got Mulatalo, you got Ogden. So that's three offensive linemen. But instead, I decided to go for number 10 with a hot take that I know Alec is going to hate and actually put J.K. Dobbins as number 10 <laughs> on my list. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like it. And here's the, my thought process on this. I think, obviously, as a running back, uh, you know, if we're, if we're putting this together as most likely, if you just look at his position, you would probably say no. But my argument here with Dobbins is, you know, the guy's a talent and, you know, he's put up numbers in college that were comparable with guys like Eddie George and Zeke Elliott at Ohio State. And if you think about what the Ravens love to do is obviously run the football. And as electric of a runner as Lamar is, we don't know how that running uh, ability is going to progress from year to year as, he, as his body gets older. So I think... If you still want your offense to be as electric on the the ground as it is right now with a young Lamar, I think you need to actually invest in in a running back, which, you know, that a lot of other teams in the NFL, that maybe the running back position really is replaceable and a running back doesn't matter in an offense like, say, Kansas City. But I think with the Ravens, you know, we saw what happened 
uh, when Mark Ingram went down, the team just wasn't quite as good with Gus and Justice Hill running the show. Granted, that was only a two-game sample, but I think that the Ravens are one of the teams that do still need to value the running back position, and I think that if Dobbins is what he's cracked up to be, the Ravens could heavily consider giving him a second contract when his rookie deals up. I don't hate it. I thought about actually putting him on my list to shock you all. (laughs) (laughs) I could see there's a universe where he makes it. I think he's definitely going to be an interesting player for the next five years. We'll definitely take every single year of his production, unless he tries to do the whole holdout thing. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting, you know, just like as a little aside, the holdouts are not as powerful anymore in this new uh, collective bargaining agreement. So they have to report to training camp. So I guess in theory, like he could report and then leave because, you know, they're talking about uh, Dalvin Cook holding out. But it's like he can't just do the whole like I'm not coming uh, and then play a game. Like if he doesn't come to report to uh, train camp, it, it won't work out. He won't accrue a season. It won't. It will not be useful for him. So, anyways, uh, I th- I think it's interesting the running back position. Uh, it's maybe changing, you know, as far as the compensation structure and and the ability to keep them around longer term on a single team. So we'll certainly see. All right, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a shocker or not, but uh, my number ten, I literally have written down here a punter not named Sam Cook. <laughs> that's probably correct <laughs> that's a really good play <laughs> thinking outside so, the box i like it yeah so i mean yeah um i mean i don't know if you guys believe it but sam cook was drafted the same year as marshall yonda so he's been around uh quite some time you know and i know that you know kickers and punters traditionally can have longer careers than a lot of other nfl players Something tells me I feel like the Ravens, you know, either the Ravens might move on from Cook or maybe Cook might decide to retire. I don't know if it's like next year, but maybe in the next like two or three years, I could see something like that happening. And I could definitely see the Ravens already looking ahead to figure out like, okay, can we get somebody else to be able to punt the ball, you know, 80% as well as Sam could. And, you know, honestly, it's something every year too where, you know, they bring in somebody, an undrafted guy as like a, a backup hunter or kicker and they train these guys up and most of them end up going on to play for other NFL teams or in the case of this last year with Vedvik, you know, you get traded for a fifth round pick. Um, <laughs> but sooner or later, I mean, Sam Cook is getting older. I, I feel like sooner or later, the Ravens just might make a decision like, okay, uh, we want to invest in another punter. That's going to be our guy for the next 10 plus years. That's a good one, man. I, I I admire your uh, creativity and yeah I think you're on the on the money there because it, it fits the whole like oh where's the money gonna come from it's like oh what's the cheapest player we have <laughs> there it is <laughs> as long as we, as long as we have a hit uh, post Cook uh, yeah he's probably gonna be around for a while good yeah. point on that vein I guess we could have also added uh, successing long snapper to Morgan Cox to the list <laughs> <Yeah>. as well <laughs> he's 34. <laughs> Exactly. That's brilliant. That's the meta move. (laughs) (laughs) Wolfpack part two. (laughs) All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I hope to hear about everyone else's lists. Um, You know, the last episode, I wanted to point out 
uh, you know, we shared it with our, our friends in the division in their various reddits. And uh, shout out to the Bengals for not blocking our post. <laughs> everyone else, everyone else blocked our post, which was kind of annoying because, uh, you know, actually the Steelers one has an interesting, you know, conversation going before they blocked it. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to the Bengals for appreciating our post. But, you know, it was our most downloaded episode ever. Uh, and we appreciate that. So keep sharing the show and, uh, you know, keep engaging with us. We really enjoy doing it. I think we also need to add to that that the Browns basically blocked the episode right as you posted it. Yeah, they they didn't really allow for any conversation. The Steelers, at least, they let they let it stay up for a couple hours. The Bengals were just like, "Hey, people are here." Yeah, they just seem so happy to converse. <laughs> yeah, they they just seem like they wanted friends. <laughs> oh man! All right, guys, now they're gonna block our post. Exactly. I was like, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. They Jeez. were so welcoming. They're so welcoming, and now we're like making fun of them, and they're gonna like, be like, "Screw you guys!" <laughs> oh man, oh man. But yeah, no. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I told both you guys after uh, the episode finished. But you know, I was, I was really happy about how the episode turned out. I feel like you know, as soon as we finished it, I was like, "Oh man, this was really nice. We put in a lot of research. I thought it flowed pretty well. Um, overall, a, a, a pretty good effort by us. I, I'd say. I was proud of it." Well, you guys can expect more of that this offseason as we continue to work through uh, what this season will even look like. But we're hoping it happens. We're optimistic. Uh, Let's get this testing all the way up uh, and we'll be able to make it happen. I saw today that they're going to be testing like every three days or something like that. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. But really hoping this season happens in some capacity and we have things to talk about. With that, we're going to end the show. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter, and you can find our website, ravensrecap.com. Make sure to give us a like on iTunes and a review. It really helps other people find the show. We'll see you soon.